All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are here with your NXT TakeOver results show. This is the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. I'm Elio. He's Ben. Ben, how's it going? Very good, man. You had me quite busy this week with all of your uh, homework assignments. I um, yes. As our uh, listeners might recall, we uh, debuted a new segment uh, on uh, Saturday called Ben's Homework Corner. And uh, this is actually our my first full event that I have been assigned to watch. Actually, this was, I, I actually gave you this on, um, before we introduced the Ben's Homework Corner. So, this uh, would have been something you would have probably watched. You would have watched uh, last week. Yeah, well, you know, suffice to say, I've uh, I've been quite busy with with my head in the virtual books. So, but uh, it's been it's been quite interesting because um, you know it's just a different flavor to the preparation for the podcast and. Quite frankly, it's a it's a very um, it's a very eye opening education as to the history of wrestling. Well, actually, uh, let me while while uh, we're on, uh, let me get my notes. I'm gonna see what's the match we're gonna. Oh, you know what? I already have the match and um, the next match lined up for you. What's that? Uh, that that's gonna be interesting. We we will actually uh, get that. First of all, you've never seen, have you seen Hogan versus Iron Sheik uh, when Hogan won the belt? You've seen that. Everyone's seen that. Yeah. 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 Okay. So uh, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to cut that one out. Um, okay. I, I have your next one. We will, uh, I will give you that assignment at the end of the show. Okay. Yeah. Actually, you know, as, as weird as it sounds, and I'm, I'm sure you've heard this before. But the only thing that is burned in my brain from that match was uh, was was Hogan's boner, <laughs> as you know, he's in the middle of like the you know. No, no, no. Wait, 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 are you talking about? You mean the Iron Sheik? Oh uh, yeah. Well, if I, I didn't even you know, I didn't even know what I said until someone pointed out. I think it was. Uh, I think it was like. Uh, oh, I think it was. Said. I think it was Kenny Casanova, uh, Kamala's uh, handler, who uh, pointed it out on uh, Facebook. He, <laughs> he said to you, look, "Look up close." <laughs> I feel no. It, I feel who it was. No, no. Actually, it wasn't him. I think it was. Um, uh, former guest uh, Pat Piper that po- pointed it out on one one of his uh, Facebook posts. Yeah, but it's like I couldn't get the, you know the Sheik's boner. Like, <laughs> <laughs> oh, come on! What's going on, ladies and gentlemen? I apologize for my student. He's anxious to get on to the next assignment for this Saturday. So, uh, Ben, <laughs> what the. F- <laughs> well, you know what? It's uh, it's Tuesday. I've been bored all day. You know, quarantine life. You know, you come on here and you, you know, yeah. What do you want me to do? Holy! Oh, um, before we go on, I'm. I don't know if I brought this up, but you have Netflix, right? Yes. I know you like all that true crime stuff and all that. Yeah. 
I have I have a show for you to watch. I I started watching this. What's that? I, I um I I don't know if I brought it up before, but the it's called the Vanishing at the Cecil Hotel. No, you haven't. I will I will have to look that up. I want you need to watch it. Um, this hotel located in uh, Los Angeles called the Cecil Hotel that was opened in the twenties. A lot of crazy stuff uh, took place at that hotel over the years. There were like murders and like deaths and like van- people vanishing. It's just crazy. But um, crime scene is uh, the same um, series that uh, put together the Night Stalker documentary just recently. So this is our second show, The Vanishing of the Cecil Hotel, it, um, where um, this this uh, woman from Vancouver in uh, 2013 uh, vanished from the hotel. So it's, it's really weird. She, she, tried, she was traveling from ba- Vancouver, Canada to uh, Los Angeles and one day just it's crazy. Oh, well. Intrigue, intrigue, intrigue. It's an, yeah. it's an easy watch because like four episodes. Yeah, now I have to... Um... Now I have to go watch it. The, the last thing I watched on Netflix the other night was the um, Aaron Hernandez documentary. Sorry, which one? The Aaron Hernandez documentary. You know, the um, the football player who um, who murdered the other semi-pro football player. Oh, okay. I haven't seen that one. The, the... The last one I watched was uh, the Night Stalker, the Richard Ramirez uh, case. Yeah, um, I, uh, I I haven't watched that one yet. I definitely want to, though. I, I got too much homework that you're putting on me, bro. You know, it's like, fuck. <laughs> this isn't homework. This is just whatever. I, mean, I just I was watching this. I started watching it as soon as it was released. It's actually brand new. Let me... Let me uh, pull up the date here. It it just uh, came out on February 10th, so it's still new. It's still out there. Okay. So just uh, another show to add to your queue when you have time. Yep. Absolutely. I mean, God knows I have too much time on my hands with this. I know, right? No, 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 apparently they found a fourth variant of this garbage uh, that uh, came from Nigeria or something. It just stop, you know? It's enough already. I agree. I absolutely but agree. on to fun stuff, because that's what we do here on the podcast. On the PNC Progressive Wrestling Podcast, we have fun. Absolutely. And Sunday night, then wow, NXT Takeover Vengeance. What a what a show! Um, a- absolute barn burner. I would say that that this show uh, was unquestionably the best of the pandemic era. Now. If you wanted, if you were to grade this on a five star rating, how many stars would you give this? I would, I would say four point six. Four point six. <laughs> what? You mean four point five? Or, or well, do you mean do you mean four point yeah. six? 
I'm I'm mean four point six, and the, and the only reason why I take a little bit off is because the women's triple threat match uh, was was missing a little something. Uh, yeah, we're gonna get into that right now. Um, so let's we start with the finals of the women's Dusty Classic. It's the Kudakai and Raquel and Raquel Gonzalez. Defeating oh, the team of Ember Moon and Chelsea Blackheart. I really enjoyed this match. This is a great match. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, those those four women really exemplified why NXT has the best uh, women's roster in wrestling. And, you know, con- considering the depth of women's uh, talent, not only on NXT's roster, but the WWE umbrella overall, mm-hmm. it, it, it is very um, disturbing to see where the main roster has gone with um, women's wrestling. So whenever I get to see something that is quality, especially on NXT, um, you know, I always find that very, uh, very appealing. And, you know, I have to give... Uh, credit where it's due, uh, specifically to Raquel Gonzalez. No, because, it's Raquel Gonzalez. Oh, sh- <laughs> oh, sh- oh, sh- oh shut up, bitch. <laughs> uh, but um, but the thing is, like, I I will be the first one to admit that I wasn't too impressed with her when she came in, and um, you know, her improvement has just been. Uh, Really, something to behold, and um, you know, I and the the same I think can be said for Dakota Kai, because when she when she separated from um, Tegan Knox and started her uh, her heel run after uh, War Games uh, last year, um, I was like, oh, well, I'm not really sure that this is gonna work. Because I kind of had her, not not that she's as good as this guy, but in terms of being a face, I kind of had her in the Johnny Gargano category. Like I couldn't really see her as a heel. Um, so it, it's been very um, it's been very fascinating that they've been able to flip that switch with the two of them uh, so seamlessly because it it really does. Uh, work out quite nicely. Now, uh, as to getting into the match itself, um, you know, obviously you're going to take the lead on this one, but um, there was uh, one spot I wanted to get your opinion on. What did you think of the table breaking before anyone even touched it? That was in this match. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. That was... uh, yeah, that was in the that was in the uh, triple threat match. So my bad. Um, but yeah, but uh, the, see, you got me all excited and stuff because NXT was actually NXT was actually fucking awesome in comparison to the vast majority of this, you know, pandemic air shit. Um, so yeah, I'm all I'm all giddy like the Energizer Bunny over here. 
So let me uh, let me get my shit together, and we'll go through the notes uh, as uh, match by match. But overall, what were your thoughts on this uh, finals of the women's Dusty Classic? Uh, like I said, I thought it was a great match. Um, did 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 Ember and uh, Shotzi seem like they were playing the heels? Yeah, um, which which was really um, interesting to me, especially when uh, Shotzi uh, tagged in. Referee didn't see it. Instead, and Ember instead of tagging Shotzi right in front of the referee, she's arguing with the referee. <laughs> Why don't you just tag your partner? Why are you arguing with the referee for? Yeah, and it, it's really, and to your point, it's really weird that um, that they kind of play the heel role, especially when they have the the matching gear and they come out together on the tank and and are and Shotzi is literally shooting balls at everybody like she usually does. And I like um um uh, that one spot where I forget who it was, but I think it was uh. Was it Ember or Fanta that took uh, two of them out? I think they did like the Tower of Doom spot on the outside. Um, let me see if I have it in the notes here. Um, let's see. Uh, swing power bomb, plexiglass. Uh, you, you know, you know the spot I'm talking about, right? Yeah, I, yeah. I'm just I'm trying to find it just to uh, mm-hmm. verif- verify who did it. Yeah. Um. So it, it looked like it was like a doomsday device crossbody. Yeah, outside. yeah, that's it. Yeah, I know yeah, it was so- in Chasi because Chasi was uh, one of the women that was standing on the outside because I saw her like fall back as soon as it happened. No, because it, it was it was it was Kai up on uh, Dakota Kai. Okay, it was Kai up on Shotzi's shoulders, uh, and, and then uh, and then the uh, Doomsday device got hit by uh, by Ember. Ember Moon. Okay, all right. So and, yeah, and, and speaking and just real quick, and, I'm, and my apologies again. Yeah, go on. Um, but speaking of Ember Moon, um, I don't know what it was, but in comparison to the other uh, three women in this match, it just seems like she's missing something since she came back from the it's long a, injury layoff. It's, it's this new character. I don't, I'm not feeling this new character. I liked your old one better. Yeah, they, yeah, they gotta bring they gotta bring that back, and 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 the the mask that she wore uh, before she yeah, got in, in the yeah. ring yep. uh, was really weird. They need to bring back the hailstorm entrance music and just let Ember be Ember. Yep, I agree. Um, I, they may be trying to tone her down, just maybe just so she doesn't get hurt again, just in terms of style. Um. But um, but I mean I'm not saying she didn't do a good job. I'm not not even close because I really enjoyed every aspect of this match. I'm just saying that it it still seems to me that she is um, just a step behind. Okay. And then our next match 
We had Johnny Gargano retaining the North American Championship, defeating Kushida. I thought Kushida should have won this. Yes, I uh, I do too, and I I'm gonna have to I'm gonna have to tell you, I I thought that this was the match of the night. Yep, this uh, was a really great match. Quite quite easily, actually, I thought that this was. Mm-hmm. Uh, this was the best, and um, what really, what really set it, set it apart, and I really wasn't expecting this, but the way wasn't at ringside. So the f- the fact that these two were just able to have like a classic one on one match without all the outside stuff going on, um, you know, it's. It uh, it was something to behold, and and I'm not gonna lie to you. Like I'm not too familiar with Kushida outside of um, his his recent run in NXT because I um, I haven't really been uh, been able to follow uh, NJPW until recently, um, but. Uh, but man, he he's he's got something. But the thing the thing with Kushida, and then I I promise I will get into the actual match. But um, I, but in in addition to the actual matches, I I like to think about you know character development and where I see them going, because um, that's my favorite part, just in terms of the psychology of wrestling. Um. I don't know if I want Kushida on the main roster. I think I think that this is where he belongs. I think I think this is a case of another of another Gargano type of guy and another Tommaso Ciampa type of guy. Um, because I really don't want to see Kushida get stuck in the like the typical uh, Japanese route that that all of the. Um, Japanese talent in WWE have seemed to fall victim to. Um, even even Oscar to a certain degree. And, and, and for those of you that have listened to the podcast uh, on a consistent basis, uh, you understand how big of an Oscar guy I am. Uh, to me, to me, she. To me, her and Io Shirai should be the ones in Charlotte Flair's position. There's, there's no question. Um, but you know, this is where I see Kushida having the most success, and I don't, I don't want to, I don't want to see him get into like a hokey comedy kind of thing. Because this match, above all others so far in his run, really, uh, really showcased what he's capable of doing. And I have to tell you, I was absolutely enthralled um, by this match. And uh, and on the other side of things, it was nice to see Johnny. Um, get out of that comedy crap. And I was concerned about that going into this match because on the on the NXT prior to uh, last Sunday, you know, he came out in a wheelchair and they did the whole comedy bit before he got exposed. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was kind of concerned that there would be more the way shenanigans, but without that factored into this, and we just got to see classic Johnny Gargano. I'll tell you, man, that that kid, that guy. I don't know how old he is. So I I can't just call him the kid, even though I uh, I just naturally do. Um, but wow, what a what a wrestling showcase! And it, it's it's stuff like this that even though like I love what I see in a situation like this. It never ceases to amaze me how the WWE umbrella is capable of of producing matches like this, but yet we don't see anything near this caliber on the main roster on a consistent basis. And we have on-the-fly research. Yeah. Johnny Gargano is 33 years old. Oh, so he's actually younger than I thought, and he's... Okay, he's just he's just a few months uh, younger or older than me then. Yep. Um, really, because maybe it's the beard, but I thought he was older. Well, look at me. I, I, I'm forty. Every time I every time I go without shaving for a while, people here tell me I look like I'm fifty. <laughs> what? Well, you are. What? What? How, and how old are you now? Because I. I'm sorry, I'm, f- I'm 46, but people tell me I look like I'm like 56 or 57. They tell me I look like I'm older. Oh, those motherfuckers. No. Well, you, you you look fine. I mean, you know, not that I'm an authority on how men look, because I don't swing that way. If you want to instruct my co-host to say that, that was it on all him. <laughs> you, look, you look, you look fine. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't do that either. Or, <laughs> so we're all good. <laughs> but anyway, um, getting back to wrestling now. Um, yeah, and like I said, some sometimes you run into a match where you just can't really describe it in. And do it justice. No, you have to go. You have to, fans need to go and watch this themselves. Yeah, but if there's one match you should watch from this takeover, it's this one. Yes. And on to on to the next match. After you give me your your take on this, I want to ask you a question because I'm legitimately I'm legitimately confused. So go go ahead and go ahead and give us your review on this, and then I have a question. On the Gargano? No, on oh um, that oh the minute match after okay so the finals yeah. of the Dusty Classic we had MSK defeating the grizzled young veterans. I really like this. I've been a fan of MSK for a long time, and I'm glad to see that they won. But however, I. If they, if if they do manage if they do give them a championship match, I really don't see them getting the titles this early. But then anything can happen. Yeah, um, I'm not really sure why why the reward was a main roster tag team title shot because that doesn't mean shit. 
And these guys just got here. You're already going to move them up to the main roster? Well, and that, but that's the thing, right? So that that even doubles down on the fact that the tag team titles on the main roster don't mean anything. Wait, did, did they did they uh, mention uh, which championship? Because they just they just said the uh, the tag team champion. Okay, so so it doesn't it's not no, necessarily, it doesn't necessarily mean raw. It could mean it could be the NXT championships. <laughs> Which wait, um, who, who are the champions again? I forgot. On uh, on NXT. Yeah, I, I literally forgot who the champions are. Um, it, I wanna I wanna say, it, on, wait a minute, on the fly research before I say something stupid. Let me just look that up. I can't believe I don't know who the champions. Are. I want to say on the speed well, era, but I don't well, think they well. Are. Well, that's how irrelevant tag team wrestling is in uh, in WWE in general. Hold on. Let me ask Google. Google, who are the NXT tag team champions? Here's a summary from Wikipedia. The NXT tag team championship is a professional wrestling tag team champion. Who are the, who are the oh, NXT tag it's um sorry, it's Danny Birch and Emmy Larkin. Okay. Um, but yeah, you uh. Google Google annoys me. Uh, yeah, well. Google, you're fired. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Live on the air, we have a Vincent man. You're fired. Moment. Um, but uh, but yeah, this um. It, it doesn't seem like a very good reward. Just give them a, give them an opportunity at the NXT tag team titles because tag team wrestling means more in NXT than it does on the main roster. So that's kind of weird. Um, so now what were you going to say? Because you said you had something to ask that you were confused about. Yeah, so I get why... Um, MSK won, um, but to me, it seems to discredit the. Um, and this is not this is nothing against MSK because I absolutely love them, so so I'm not saying anything against them. But I, if it was me, I would have really uh, g- given the victory to. Uh, to um to the grizzled young veterans, um because, because they they came this close. Elio El, Elio can see me in the uh, in the camera, ladies and gentlemen. So I'm I'm demonstrating with my fingers. They came this close to winning the uh, the tournament last year. And I, I just think yeah. it would it would have been much better storytelling. To, to have them come back. And I don't think MSK needed that victory right now because they, they started so well in um, in NXT in general that you don't really have to put that on them now, especially, especially if the award for doing so is is the title shot on the main roster. Because 
because now that now that we're talking about it, I do remember them saying that 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 the main roster tag team champions needed to be on alert. Well, why would you put these young kids on the main roster in, in any capacity right now? When they just got here. Yeah. So to me, that discredits the the tournament a little bit. And and I think if you wanna if you wanna build a tournament um like the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, the way to the way to do that is um is by giving us teams that are ready to to uh you know take on the responsibility of winning that. You know, I I I was very thrilled with how MSK uh, came off in the tournament. And like I said, I can see myself being a huge fan of them. Um, but just from a, from a storytelling perspective, I think, I think it would have been a better move to give it to Girls of the Young Veterans because they are more established and they have a history um, with, um, with the tournament itself. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Like they're really taking the the emotional angle with MSK, uh, with um, with I, I think it, it's um, uh, Nash Carter's dad and no, it's the other, it's the other one. Oh, oh, what is it? Um, it's oh, oh yeah, okay. I um I got the I got them backwards. I, I, I it's like I can envision them and I know who they are, but sometimes I get the names backwards. Yep. I don't know why, but but it just seems like they're uh, they're taking the emotional angle with them. And uh, while I'm very happy for them, uh, I'm not sure if that's the right move. Okay. Because. Because, just because, like in, in the long term, unless unless you're gonna um unless you're gonna build them up to to where they need to be, like that you don't need to tell this story now. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's just how I feel about it. Okay. Then this is where the show takes a bit of a dive. The NXT Women's Championship, Io Shirai defeating Mercedes Martinez and Tony Storm. Uh, this one, I didn't really like this match too much. And the uh, question you were asking before, what did I think about that table breaking without it being touched? Yeah. Yeah, uh, I was trying to figure out what happened there because like no one even touched the table and it just like collapsed. I'm like, no, what? Uh, yeah, that was that, that was just really bad. I, I just really didn't really like Smash at all. I don't know. Yeah, it, it, I was I was very excited about it, and it just didn't it just didn't deliver for me. Yep. Then we move on to our main event: Finn Balor defeating Pete Dunne to retain the NXT Championship. 
Now, don't get me wrong, because this match was a clinic, and this and this one showed us why Finn Balor, you know, I don't know what they were doing with him on the main roster. Um, was he even on? The, was he even on the main roster for just for that one appearance? No, he no, he was because remember he won the uh, universal title and then when he came back from the injury that he sustained. Wait, who, who, who he dropped? He done? No. Uh, oh, Finn Balor, Finn Balor, Finn Balor. Okay, right. no, I, I thought you were talking about Pete Dunn. No. Okay. Um, but you know this is this is where Finn Bauer belongs um, because the way he can consistently deliver and just the style in which he wrestles, this is where I prefer seeing him. Okay. Um, because you know, look, I'm not really much. Uh, when I was younger, I was more focused on the entertainment aspect of wrestling. But now that I'm older, I really do enjoy the wrestling aspect of it more. And Finn Balor is one of, the, one of those guys that embodies that for me. So the fact that he's on the brand that, that emphasizes wrestling over entertainment mm-hmm. uh, is just it's a refreshing change for me. Um, and, but, but that brings to me to a very interesting question. Because I think we can both agree that while the, that the match was awesome, but here's here's my concern. I was taken out of the match a little bit from an emotional standpoint until until what happened at the end, which we'll get into. Um, because to me, it seems like a foregone conclusion that Killer Cross is going or uh, Carrying Cross in NXT. Um, is going to be the one to take the belt from uh, from uh, Finn Balor. So it's just, to me, it's just like a waiting game. Okay. Um, now, now, other than that, the, the, the wrestling aspect of this match was fantastic. I mean, good Lord. But, but then, then... Then inevitably I got pissed, and this was another. This was another reason why I had to, um, to discount a few decimal points from Takeover itself. Um, while I while I agree that the that Adam Nicole's turn on the undisputed era was executed flawlessly. Yeah. Um. Where does that leave him now? And where's that leave him? He's strong. He looked confused. <laughs> yeah, and then, uh, then of course you have you know Kyle O'Reilly crying and everything else. Um, but 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 my 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 issue is this. So you have the und- you have the undisputed error who's been dominant in NXT throughout their entire run and then you start hearing the rumors you know late last year that Adam Cole was going to get called up to the main roster and then you're like oh no oh shit oh fuck please god no at least that, at least that's what i was feeling because 
you know, I, I, I've said it with so much talent in the past coming from NXT. If they fuck this guy up, I give up. That, uh, and to me, that has never, ever, ever rung more true than my concerns with Adam Cole. You know, uh, and, and, and ladies and gentlemen, I, uh, I'm very familiar with Adam Cole outside of WWE as well. So I have seen a lot of, a lot of his work. And if they don't give this guy the rocket ship to the moon, Hammer Rams, <laughs> which which his new gimmick, we'll, we'll get it. We'll get into that because I do want to mention that promo because that was fucking awesome. Okay. Um, but I mean, if they, if this guy isn't the next Shawn Michaels, I don't know what the fuck you are doing with your wrestling life. I really don't. Uh, and and to me, the undisputed air um, deserved to be introduced together. Uh, you know, throughout you know at least on the main roster, and then you know they go on a shield like run, and then you break them up. Mm-hmm. Um. Now, because to be honest with you, I'm much, I'm much more emotionally invested in, in, in Undisputed Air than I ever was The Shield. Okay. I'm just, I'm yep. just being honest with you. Um, but um, so, so having said that, it was executed well, but then where does that leave? Where does that leave them? Because from where I'm sitting... You know, Adam Cole and and Roger Strong are going to the main roster, just from what I was looking at. And um, and uh, you know, the other thing too is where where was um where was Bobby Fish in this whole scenario? Is he injured or something? I don't know. Hmm. I I would have to look that up, but okay. it it just. It seems very weird. So it's like if Adam Cole is going to the main roster, what are they doing with the other three? Yeah, okay. All right, so that is our NXT uh, TakeOver Vengeance uh, pay-per-view. But, uh, Ben, you want to mention Cameron Grimes. Okay. So, (laughs) (laughs) So I have to confess, and you'll be happy, you'll be happy with this confession. (laughs) Perfect, perfect, perfect. Ladies and gentlemen, Esquire Professor Elio Canella has transformed into Father Canella for the moment, complete with his collar. I appreciate that. Um, I am I am now a gigantic fan of Cameron Grimes. I told you, he's taking you to the moon. That promo where he's where he's throwing the money up, you know, because because he's rich now because of because uh, <laughs> uh, of his investment in GameStop, yeah, <laughs> of all places. But but the thing is, he was throwing the money up. He was doing snow angels in the motherfucker, <laughs> you know, he, you know. He's got the expensive cars, and he still doesn't wear a shirt. <laughs> 
Even though he's still got, even though he's got these wonderful looking suits now, he still looks like a fucking gorilla <laughs> without a shirt on. <laughs> but for some reason, it just works now. But the fact that they turned that they turned uh, him from a from a like a West Virginia redneck to a rich man. With still a little bit of redneck in him, mm-hmm. it's just it's fantastic. Now, now, Ben, have you seen the T-shirt? No, I have not. Okay, uh, give me a moment here. On the fly research coming at you <coughs> yet again. <laughs> We're full of that this evening. <coughs> Okay, I was gonna mute you for a minute. No, we're good. I'm so I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Apparently that I've been talking too much. All right, I just sent you uh, the T-shirt, the new T-shirt. Oh, I must I must have it. I mu- okay. I have to have that. <laughs> Straight to the moon. I absolutely. I must have that now. Okay, I'm gonna order that after this podcast is over. <laughs> I don't give a fuck. All right, so that is our NXT Takeover pay per view. We're not gonna move on to Monday Night Raw. Ben, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh God! All right. Well, uh, well. With that being said, at least let me take a sip of Mountain Dew. Oh my god. This is why my co-host drinks. Because, let me tell you something, after I'm finished with this uh, gulp, you are going to hear a rant to end all rants, because just when I think that Raw cannot sink any lower, indeed they do. So, as Elio can attest, because he's looking in in the camera, I am now undoing my Mountain Dew bottle, and I am enjoying my last few seconds of happiness before I jump into this. <laughs> oh, this is going to go okay. Are you all good? You all happy? This is going to get ripped away right now. Oh, what? oh my God. The truer words have never been spoken right here on the PMC Progression Wrestling Podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, LEO, esteemed members of the podcast universe, um, I would like to leave this review off with a question. And LEO, if, if, if you'd like to answer it, you can. If, you, if you'd like to let it hang as a rhetorical question, uh, we can certainly do that too, but just keep this in mind as the review is going along. Um, what the fuck is going on with Monday Night Raw? What the fuck is going on? Okay? Now, don't, I don't know. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> now, hold on, hold on, hold on. before you answer that question, let me do, let me, let me steal a bit from Wizard of Oz. Uh-huh. We 
We've had pentagrams. We have we have face paint and bullshit. Oh my. Okay. Has, oh, because because look look at this, look at this shit. Just from just from the top. Okay. What now? Now, just pretend that you didn't see Monday Night Raw. I don't know how much of it you Actually, saw. Actually, I didn't uh, before we went on the air. I, I was, I just got into the first match. I hadn't seen Miss TV. <sighs> All right. Well, then I can't ask you my first question because I was going to ask, um, what's the worst way you could envision getting this show on the road? With Miss TV? Uh, Exactly. I told you I saw Miss TV. No, no, I know, I, I know, which is what, which is why you kind of took away my thunder. But which is why I said I can't ask you this question now. But oh, okay. anyway, um, you know, I just really don't give a fuck about the Miz. No, I don't either. He is for me. He is the professional wrestling equivalent of watching paint dry. You know something, Benny? Would you wait? Do you mind if I call you Benny? Okay, here we go, Benny. (laughs) (laughs) I'm like, I just want to punch him in the face. (laughs) So, so I, um, after this segment last night, I looked up, uh, I looked up Drew McIntyre's uh, name uh, to see if it was actually Andrew, and it's it's not. It's actually just Drew Galloway. There's no there's no Andrew. Um, you know, I let me. I I for real thought that that was a short short for Andrew. Actually. Well, I'm uh, well. I'm gonna I'm gonna double check that just so I don't look like a. Actually, I I take that back. It is it is Andrew. I, my bad, but still, that is absolutely ridiculously stupid. But then again, I can't be too upset because the Miz is ridiculously stupid. <laughs> yep. so, so with that being said, let me just break down how stupid this is. Okay. So he he auto, he automatically uh, says that my guest uh, tonight is Drew McIntyre. He mm-hmm. brings Drew, he brings Drew McIntyre out, but then doesn't let him speak. Okay. Um, just just goes on and on and on and on and on to the point where I wanted to off myself right right in the middle of Monday Night Raw. Oh, no. Don't do that. Then I'd be minus one ghost. Well, yeah, and you wouldn't be able to replace me because I'm the shit. Anyway. <laughs> what? <laughs> what the hell? Okay, go on. But, but anyway, so eventually, uh, Andy... AKA Drew McIntyre gets pissed with with uh, his antics, and thank God he delivers a Moscow or a uh, Glasgow kiss. Uh, I 
I almost mistook Drew McIntyre for Kozlov for a minute. I thought we were the Glasgow kiss. We're in Scotland, not Russia. Anyway, um, but this is this is just absurd. Basically, this was a long way of telling the fans that the Miz is removing himself from the Elimination Chamber match because he has the Money in the Bank contract um, and he doesn't need to be involved in the Chamber. Well, whoop-de-woo. Uh, yeah, um, my sentiments exactly, although I, I don't know where the fuck whoop-de-woo came from. I thought it was just whoop-de-doo. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, I know. That's what I meant. I don't know where that came from. <laughs> But nonetheless, as, as I try to get this to get this podcast back on the rails, because that was the whitest comment I've ever heard, and we're too white, guys. <laughs> um, but anyway, um, you know, I just I don't I don't get it. Why, if this is what you were gonna do, and don't get me wrong, I I appreciate. I appreciate you fixing the logic gap, which I pointed out on uh, on Saturday's episode of, of the show. Um, but if this was the if this was the point of this whole segment, uh, I have I would have to ask why wh- why was the Miz put in the chamber in the first place? Was nobody paying attention? We had to have this entire roundabout segment only because you only because WWE fucked up and had to fix it. So who are they gonna put in there? Who are they gonna replace him with? Well, well, and so that brings me to my next point. Okay. So, so the whole point of of this uh, of this elimination chamber, the uh, the uh, selling point of this is that. Every participant is a former WWE champion. However, uh, WWE appears to have suffered another momentary lapse in uh, in their uh, recognition capabilities because despite the fact that The Miz withdrew himself from the chamber, he will now be wrestling Kofi Kingston later on in the evening for the right to have John Morrison compete in the the uh, in the chamber, despite the fact that John Morrison has never been a WWE champion and would be ineligible to compete even if the Miz won, because. And this is another point of buffoonery I, w- I would like to mention. So, so after the the six, um, after this announcement was made, um, Braun Strowman is looking for Shane McMahon, only to be confronted backstage by the man who suspended him in the first place, Adam. Oh my God! Here we go again. Pierce, I swear this this guy gets more screen time than Mickey Mouse in a Disney movie. It's fucking ridiculous. Oh my! Um, 
But he, he, uh, Braun Strowman, uh, asked, um, asked Pierce, you know, why can't I be in this match? I'm a former WWE Universal Champion. Uh, well, um, Braun, I'm not sure if you can't read or you don't understand the concept, but nobody said WWE Universal Champion. It was for former WWE champions. Uh, somebody needs to teach you how to read contracts correctly. No. So then, so then after, um, after we're forced to sit through uh, Adam's uh, explanation to uh, to Braun, um, we get a we get a threat from. From Braun uh, concerning uh, Shane McMahon, and off we go. So then, okay. So then it is later. Later, and we're we're gonna circle back to the first match of the evening and so on and so forth. But since we're since we're discussing uh, this this opening segment, I'm just gonna. I'm just going to go skip ahead to match number three because it directly correlates to this. And then we'll circle back. Um, So then it's The Miz versus Kofi Kingston for the right to, uh, to, uh, you know. Have John Morrison. Have John Morrison in the chamber. If The Miz wins, it's John Morrison. If Kofi wins, he... He takes he takes the final spot in the chamber. Just stop. So long story short, Kofi Kingston wins, oh, and he surprised. gets. I, I I know it's it's shocking, isn't it? I mean, I mean, what would what would shock you more? Me miraculously rising up from the ashes of my wheelchair to walk again. Which I've never been able to walk without assistance, just so you know. So would would that surprise you more, or would or would Kofi Kingston being in the chamber surprise you more? No, I mean, no shit. Kofi Kingston was gonna win, you stupid motherfuckers. Maybe if you didn't treat your show like Sesame Street and, and your consumers like fucking morons. You wouldn't put yourself in situations like this. Oh, oh, or maybe if you just read your scripts at the level of a first grader, you would be able to say, oh, we have to fix this because this is fucked up. And then you wouldn't have situations such as this. And, and okay, I'm going to tell you the grade that this match got. <sighs> Am I gonna have an aneurysm live on the air? Well, what was you giving? I would give it a C plus. I mean, it was a it was that's a that, that's what that's what this uh, match got. It got a C plus. Okay, well, I mean, it was a decent TV match, but it didn't mean anything because. And I'm gonna I'm gonna ask you another question related to to a foreign concept for WWE, and that is logic. Oh, okay. Wouldn't it be more logical to have Kofi Kingston take on Mustafa Ali for the final spot in the chamber? Yes. Given, given the fact that 
that's the entire um, basis for their feud right now that we've seen for weeks and weeks and weeks. And yet, where, where is Mustafa Ali, Bruce? Is is his face on a, on a milk carton somewhere? Because he's missing. My co-host is now feeling like Bruce Pritchard's well. Damn. Oh, I've I've always been been feuding with Bruce Pritchard because, um, unlike his gimmick, I hate you. You're stupid fat. Anyway, damn, sir, tell us how you really feel. But, but no, well, and and there, are, I'll tell you off the air. But there are other reasons why I think he's an asshole. Okay. Um, but but if, if we if we go if we open up that bag of words, we'll be here for four hours. <laughs> we don't want um, that. I need to sleep. Oh. <laughs> yeah, right. So do I. So anyway. Um, so putting, putting Mustafa Ali and Kofi Kingston would have made more sense, but the bottom line is Kofi Kingston gets the final spot in the chamber, and which at the end of the day doesn't matter because we all know Kofi Kingston is not winning the WWE Championship at Elimination Chamber or WrestleMania, so all in all, it's a waste of time. <laughs> and... The second, the second part of that, and not to be a stickler for detail, but unfortunately that's just how I operate. If, if the Miz removed himself from all elimination chamber uh, consideration, why is he wrestling when there's stakes for the elimination chamber on the line? He's he, he's out of he's out of the chamber. He has the money in the bank briefcase. Why would he give a fuck about what's going on with the elimination chamber? This is this is a good point. I I I don't understand this. And if it seems like I'm overanalyzing it, ladies and gentlemen, I'm not. I'm pointing out that WWE doesn't give a fuck. And underanalyzes every single aspect of their programming. <laughs> God <laughs> damn. I've never had an angry co-host <laughs> quite like this. Okay. All, all right. And, and, then, and then, ladies and gentlemen, we get a recap of Nia Jax's hole again. Oh, oh no. Did they, well, did they bleep the, the, it out or did she did they leave it in? No, no, they kept it in. <laughs> oh, oh my god! Oh, so do that. Oh my god! I don't know what to say about that. After I, I can't believe in 2021 uh, I actually heard that on my television. It, it's it's physically painful. Can, can, can you imagine? The, the conversation, and, and there's going to be another point of, of this coming up a little bit later, but let's just start it out this way. Can, can you imagine the conversation that, say, my uh, my best friend, who, whose kids happen to be my niece and my nephew, uh, mm-hmm. 
Can you imagine the conversation that my, that my buddy would have to have with his nine-year-old son? If his nine-year-old son asked, Daddy, why is Naya complaining about her hole? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I don't have that problem. <laughs> Ladies and ladies and gentlemen, I don't, I don't think, I don't think my friend or anybody else is prepared to answer that kind of anatomical question on a PG-related show. I, I really, I, I really don't get it, and uh, nobody gives a fuck about Nia Jax anyway. And. Uh, as uh, as Elio briefly attempted to mute himself to escape this conversation, I will take the hint and move on to the next match. Unfortunately, we go directly from Nia Jax's hole to Lana versus Shayna Baszler. Oh, I thought we were going back. I thought we were going backwards, back to the first match. Oh, oh, oh! My bad, my bad. I got. Unless, got, unless, unless uh, you want to skip that and just move forward. Uh, well, well, yeah, because, because, oh, match number two. This is this is uh, this is this wasn't really a match, but this has to be mentioned. So you, you know how we're having this entire stupid storyline with Ric Flair and and Lacey Evans. Sure. Well, it was revealed that Lacey Evans is legitimately pregnant and will now be off TV. Okay. But based on how Ric Flair reacted to this announcement, uh, he made it look like uh, he was the father of this baby. Oh, my God. Here we go. And 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 Lacey will at least for the time being remain on TV despite the fact that she's pregnant. So I can all I shudder to imagine where they, where they might go with this because Rick Flair has now insisted that Lacey Evans call him Daddy. Oh my God! I I can't. I, just don't go there. Okay, I have enough issues with Lacey Evans' character. I don't want to go after her personally because, you know, I think congratulations on the pregnancy, but don't make a mockery of it with Ric Flair. Please just let her go home and have a family and congratulations and that be it. Can we end this fucking storyline as soon as fucking possible? I, I can't take this shit anymore. I, 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 I just, I'm not capable of it. Uh, let's see. And, oh, ooh, and then, then, so uh, moving, moving forward again. So after the whole Nia Jax thing, Orton is backstage talking about how He's going to win the gauntlet match main event, and he's going to be the last person to enter the chamber, and he's going to show everybody why RKO are the three most dangerous letters in sports entertainment. Well, before he can get the O out of his mouth, we have Alexa Bliss in the Firefly Funhouse uh, with some very creepy music playing. 
so the promo starts and I don't I don't know whether this is a highlight or a low light and I, I would be fascinated to get your take once I tell you what happened with the statement because um, it can go either way okay. so so she's in the fun house and and she says that um, let me just let me just keep scrolling down so I can get this right. Um, hold, hold on one second. And I think they right after they went right into a match or something. Well, well, um, almost not quite. Okay. Um, uh, but she she's having visions of of Bray Wyatt in hell. And she opens her eyes and says, "Ashes to ashes, dust to dust." And and she she grabs a candle and says that he was destroyed in the fire, but in the future, he will be reborn. Uh, guess where the camera goes after this? Where? It shows us that. Alexa Bliss is kneeling in the middle of a fucking pentagram. <laughs> oh wow. On a PG show. Oh wow. What you ladies and gentlemen? We are dealing with Satanism on Monday Night Raw. Damn. I thought that I thought that went out with the Ministry of Darkness. Oh. Oh my God! Oh. Ladies, ladies, ladies and gentlemen, look, and and look, we've been having a lot of fun with this review because I I try very very hard to make it entertaining for you, even though the show is impossible uh, to be entertaining for the rest of us. But I I, I mean this in all seriousness. Um. Because I am not the the politically correct police. Here we go. Okay. Um, but but what in the name of Jesus Christ are they do, are they doing on Monday Night Raw when you have anybody kneeling in the middle of a satanic symbol on a PG show? What in the hell are you doing? Didn't they, didn't they get away from the PG uh, rating? I think. Or something? No, no. Uh, trust me, uh, trust me. Oh. I would have, I would have fucking celebrated that moment live on the PNC Progression oh. Wrestling podcast. No, I thought, I, I thought, I thought I heard that they were getting away from that. That which is uh, the point where they uh, burned Bray Wyatt. Burned Bray Wyatt. Well, that well that too, and that could be that could be argued to be. Uh, you know, satanic. And unless I hate the PG rating, but if, but my point being, if WWE is going to portray themselves as a corporate um, entity, mm-hmm. uh, why in the name of Blue Hell are you having Satanism? On a show that is directed, according to your own company statement, toward children. 
This is true. I mean, I don't know. If kids are tuning into watch, I don't know. Uh, yeah. I mean, oh, look, from, from since we're two adults on this show, at least last time I checked our birth certificates, um, <laughs> um, well, mine nonetheless, you know, I'm I'm an adult, and I I can appreciate the the the, the effort and and the, the work of Alexa Bliss in the storyline, and she did awesome. Man, she looked amazing. Her delivery was amazing. I I am very intrigued, and I I didn't think that that was possible anymore when it comes to the fiend. Uh, please don't make me go on another fiend rant, but if you are interested. Just go back through the annals of this show since The Fiend debuted, and you will hear plenty of what Ben Pierce has to say about The Fiend. Um, but I am legitimately confused as to why we're having pentagrams on a show where literally minutes before you couldn't have a woman be touched in the ring because she was pregnant, but you can have a woman dealing with satanic rituals. Am I missing something? I guess in two different stories, I don't know. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe I'm being overly analytical, but that struck me as incredibly stupid. Okay. Uh... Jesus Christ. Oh, God. And then, and then next up, we have Lana versus Shayna Baszler. Holy Whoa. fuck. Make, just make this die as quickly as possible. Okay, that's why I was confused, because on here, they went straight from that segment into the Lana versus Shayna Baszler. So the whole thing, they graded it all together. What, what did you give it? What did I give the match, or what did I give the segment? No, the segment. Okay, and the match. Well, they had nothing to do with each other, but I mean, I I would give the Alexa Bliss segment a B-plus as an adult. I mean, I'm very disturbed that this was on a show uh, uh, directed toward children, but nonetheless, I found it entertaining. Okay, because they they combined the two, and they get all together. It got a D. Well, and I, like, and I can understand that because of the fact that this is supposed to be directed toward children, and in that and in that sense, I don't know what the fuck they're doing. Um, and then, ladies and gentlemen, the, the main event. Must have taken up at least, let me check the time, 47 minutes. The last hour of this show was taken up with a gauntlet match to determine who would come out last on Sunday at the Elimination Chamber. I swear to God, I'm uh, I'm getting... uh, I'm getting stuffy because I'm having an allergic reaction from dealing with this shit. Um, can, can we pause for a minute so I can address my allergies? Hold on. 
Ladies and gentlemen, we are back, and mercifully, we've arrived at the main event segment of Monday Night Raw. Our pain is almost over. Oh, yeah. God. <laughs> so, it starts out with Kofi Kingston versus AJ Styles, which confuses the hell out of me because, uh, ladies and gentlemen, Kofi Kingston already competed tonight against The Miz to earn entry into the Elimination Chamber. Now, I understand that this match is to determine who gets the last entrant spot of the Elimination Chamber, Um, but don't you think Kofi could have taken a few extra minutes, maybe even close to an hour, based on the length of this match? Um before he got into the into this thing. He had just wrestled a half hour ago and now you're asking him to wrestle again. Uh o- only to to really um get uh get squashed by AJ Styles, but then again I can't really call it a squash because it, he was eliminated in eleven minutes and four seconds. Uh, ladies and gentlemen Look, I'm, I'm not blind, nor am I stupid. I understand that Kofi had to be in this match, given the fact that he had, like, he's now in the Elimination Chamber. But you think you would think he, at the very least, wouldn't have had to come out first. I mean, use your brains for fuck's sake. And then we get uh, Drew out next. Uh, once again... Um, these matches to determine the order of entry into the chamber are stupid because now I know it's only for the last entry spot, but the whole entire purpose of the chamber is the unpredictability of it and also to build intrigue for WrestleMania. And after everything you've taken away in terms of the intrigue from Elimination Chamber, because let's be real, it means absolutely nothing now on the road to WrestleMania. Um, what are we doing here? You know, why, I mean, why, why are you putting yourself in this situation? Uh, you know why does why does Drew McIntyre have to be in a gauntlet match six days before he go, he goes into the elimination chamber? Now, granted, that could that could go for anybody in this match, but it's just you know the the way that this match was booked was just absolute dog shit. So obviously, uh, Drew McIntyre would eliminate AJ Styles at twenty minute, at twenty nine minutes and eighteen seconds into this thing, and then as if anybody believed that Jeff Hardy was going to enter last into the chamber, let alone be in the chamber itself, because he's done absolutely nothing of relevance in over a fucking year. Uh, here comes Jeff Hardy to take his shot at the Scottish Warrior. Uh, no, he'll he'll die in less than eleven minutes. And then here's here's and I'm I'm fast forwarding through this because I want to get to the 
really stupid part and 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 the, the part that really made my blood boil. So here comes Randy Orton and uh and Elio um Correct me if I'm wrong. You're the you're the research guru on this on this show. Uh, isn't um, uh, Randy Orton a 15-time world champion? I believe so. Yes. So, okay. Okay. Well, to follow that question up, don't you think in a match of this importance with this amount of stakes on the line, uh, when just earlier on in the evening, he said that that these people were nothing but victims to him, and he was the assured winner of this situation. He loses via disqualification because, or I'm sorry, he loses via countout because he gets distracted by Alexa Bliss, whose whose face lights up hundreds of screen of screens. In the uh, Thunderdome, by the way, Elio, I'm not sure if you know this, but side note, the Thunderdome is award-winning and groundbreaking. Is it critically acclaimed? <laughs> oh, how, how dare I forget? It's critically acclaimed. By whom, I would like to know. <laughs> certainly not by me. But anyway, something that certainly isn't critically acclaimed is Randy Orton forgetting the fact that that he was getting counted out in this ma- in a match of this magnitude. I'm sorry, uh, actually, uh, we're both wrong. Randy Orton's a 14-time champion. Well, that's that's uh, that's weird because guess what? Um, he was announced as a 15-time champion on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, I don't know where that where they got that uh, unless they're counting the 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 final time where he unified both championships. I I guess, but he I mean he was which would be stupid. I I don't know, you know. In the past, he's been ranked number three among you know because here it says Orton is recognized as. Is recognized by WWE as having the third most world championship victories in history at 14, behind John Cena and Ric Flair, who both have 16, and tied with Triple H, who also has 14. Uh, yeah. Uh, well, that's what that's what I thought, but apparent, apparently, uh, WWE had a brain fart. Yeah. What, what, what do we know? We're just a couple of podcasters. Yeah, but but that's that's why I I asked you that question yeah. because no, I'm saying what do we know? We're we're just a bunch of we're just a couple of podcasters. But we don't I mean, know anything, right? WWE oh is smart. <laughs> oh my god! Well, smart and WWE are two concepts that clearly are that are not in the same dictionary. Yep. I mean, god damn. This match sucked, and the only re- and the only way it w- and the only reason it was done was for Sheamus to get a one up on his friend who he recently betrayed uh, for no reason apparently because he still has to go through the elimination chamber even though he was promised a one on one contest from his friend before he betrayed him 
only to have himself set up in an elimination chamber match, which he had to go through this match to to assure the last spot for. What the hell is going on? What is going on? I mean, does does that sound the least bit logical to you? Nope. I mean, good lord, you know, ladies and ladies and gentlemen, there is nothing that I would like more than to come on here and and you know talk about the awesome parts of of Raw here. And trust me, I did that for many years in my youth. I This was like my favorite thing in the world. Um, it, it really was. And the thing, I understand times changing, but what I, what I don't appreciate is having my intelligence insulted by a program that I have been loyal to for years. And I just, you know, they have systematically destroyed their own product. And then they look at the fans like, we're the ones with the problem when we call them out on their bullshit. Um, you know, so, something is very, very wrong here. Um, you know, and, and to, to that end, uh, before we wrap it up, you know, I, I I very much enjoyed the Royal Rumble. I very much enjoyed NXT Takeover. So it is clear to me that they are that WWE is still c- capable of putting on a good show if they really try. But my question is, on the road to WrestleMania, why are these uh, why are these logic gaps so obvious? I I don't. I don't understand it. I mean, I mean, I could, I could just put a fist through my TV screen, and that would be more entertaining than watching Monday Night Raw. Well, I, I don't know how entertaining it might be. You might get a bloody, a bloody fist, but that might require stitches. <laughs> I'm just saying. But well, all we gotta do is ask our good old buddy Goldberg because he put his hand through a limo window. Yeah, once. yeah, that was stupid. Yeah, but anyway, mercifully, the, the Monday Night Raw review has come to an end. Now we're going to get into the fun part of the show. Ben? Oh, yay! Very good. We are going to move over to Ben's homework corner. And Ben? Yeah, I actually didn't give you uh, anything because uh, I gave I initially gave this to you before we introduced this segment, but you decided to watch and then make this your weekly assignment for this week. So, I you watched Brawl to End It All, which aired on July twenty third, nineteen eighty four. Yes, and um, to to be honest with you. Um, aspects of this show I, I very much enjoyed um, but I was a little bit confused by it so maybe you can uh, help me out here a little bit Okay, we had a total of 11 matches so out of the 11 matches um, how many of them did, did you really did you enjoy well let's see I, I enjoyed um, Orton Bob Orton seen a uh, Bob Warren versus Tito Santana. Good match. Um, 
Hogan versus Valentine because because it wasn't your prototypical Hogan match. They actually had him do some stuff. And uh, side note, it was interesting. They didn't have him in his uh, yellow and red attire. No, yeah. So um, before we got the Hogan that we all know with the yellow, red and yellow, he used to he used to wear white a lot to the ring. Yeah, and but, uh, even a couple times even more blue. Uh, yeah. So it, it was very interesting to see that um, you know him out of that mold. Um, because even even the way the match ended, leading to the leg drop, was quite interesting. It was it wasn't the the prototypical Hulk up and you know kick your ass kind of thing. Um, I I also um, enjoyed the uh, the women's match. Um, fabulous, oh, yes. fabulous Mueller versus Wendy Rector. Um, and to to a lesser extent, but still true, I I enjoy I enjoyed uh, seeing um, seeing uh, the wild Samoans. Uh, what did I tell you about the last match? What did I tell you? The last like, match. Well, why was he even there? Like, why? Why would? Oh no! Why? Wait, 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 wait! Oh, sorry. I, I think I'm getting no. I'm no. I'm getting that confused with uh, your next segment. No, what? Uh, yeah, uh, last match we had the Battle Royal, Antonio Noki. Um, and that was the second performance by Noki of the evening. Um, but I was very confused because. Based on the audience reaction and the amount of hype that went into it, it seemed to it seemed to me that Fabulous Mueller versus Wendy Rector should have been the main event. That was the that was uh that was why that was the only um, match that was shown on MTV. All these other ones were dark matches. Well, and they they, they never aired on uh, regular television on on MTV. Okay, cool. So, so this was now obviously this had taken place uh, slightly before, um, slightly before the last uh, pay per view we discussed on Saturday. This um, this took place a year before War to Settle the Score. Yes. Right, um, and uh, I have to t- I have to tell you, it has been very. Um, fascinating for me to kind of watch the differences between an 80s show and the wrestling of the 90s that I'm used to, you know, up till today. Now, hold on. Going back to Fabulous Moolah and Wayne Baker. What do you think about it? What, you, what do you think about Fabulous Moolah? Um, now, in fairness, um, I am not overly familiar with her work because she was before my time. Okay, all right. Uh, and 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 in further fairness, uh, just in terms of my reporting, I have been somewhat um, disenfranchised by from her legacy because of what we heard about yeah, with. Yeah. 
dark side of the ring and all the uh, all the controversy. Surrounding. I can't wait for season three to start up. Oh, that's gonna that's gonna be awesome, man! That Brian Pillman episode. Oh, sign me up for that right now. Just take my money. Um, but um, but yeah, so I've been somewhat sullied on on Fabulous Mula, but I really tried to um come in here with a with a fair shake kind of thing because I was supposed to be um reporting this. Um. I don't know if it was just for the time, but um, you know, the the move set seems awfully basic for her to be considered a legend. I I, I mean I mean no disrespect by that whatsoever, um, but uh, may, but maybe maybe they were building her up a little bit too much. Now I'm gonna tell you what I think though, because I, I was uh, ten years old at this uh, point, so like I, I thought Fedless Moolah, I thought the only two in all of wrestling were Fedless Moolah and Wendy Richter, right? So like it's like I thought it, they were both good. Now looking back at it now, seeing Fedless Moolah, she wasn't really that great of a worker, like from what I'm seeing from watching it today. Well, yeah, and, and she wasn't that good, really that good. <laughs> they made her. They made her the longest reigning champion. They said she won the title in 1957. She held it for over 20 years. Yeah, well, I think I think that was a little overblown. Yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, looking at the, today, I'm. I'm not really a, as much of a fan of Fabulous Moolah. Like, like I just said, when I was 10 years old, I thought Moolah and Wendy Rector were the, were the only two in wrestling from what I was watching. Because I didn't know, like, I've never seen any other, <laughs> any other, uh, any other women. Yeah, and um, like I said, I don't, I, you know, it's very obvious that women's wrestling was not as prevalent for mm-hmm. years and years, even before they went completely off the air for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, now, in terms of the whole uh, rock and wrestling thing, right. um, I, I can see how that would have been cool. You know, and um, I... Uh, I I enjoyed uh, Cindy Lauper's uh, appearance at War to Settle the Score more than I did here. Yeah. Um, like it, it almost seemed like she was like unsure of when to get involved. Well, this is uh, also this is uh, her just starting out. This is like her first appearance uh, before the whole rock and wrestling kind of like took off. Right, and it was very obvious because she was just like standing there awkwardly on the on the apron. Yep. At, at one point, at least. Um, but you know, um, like the the first two matches of the night were boring as hell. It's hard to believe that uh, that that uh, watching it today, like when I was growing up, it was the, I was watching Sika, like he was more. Had more of the singles run against Hogan, and Washington. See, I'm like, I can't believe this is Roman Reigns' is dad. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, look, they were badasses 
Yeah. I'm not saying they weren't, but I mean, oh, yeah. it was just kind of like this was not the best showing. Uh, Tony Guria, well, you know what? It's not the Iron Sheik. It's more uh, his opponent. Tony Guria really didn't have any uh, character. Yeah, I mean, uh, I know, I know, he became like a big uh, backstage agent later yeah, yeah. on. Mm-hmm. Um, but so I to speak on his wrestling career would be unfair because I'm really not, not familiar with. Yeah, I've never really seen much from him, like in ring, in ring wise. Right. So I didn't, I didn't really know what I was looking at with that one. So you know, it was it was it was clearly that it was built around you know Cindy Lauper and the whole uh, women's match. Yep. Um, I think they tried to make it a big deal because it was MSG. But if if I didn't know that this match was on MTV, I w- I would not say that I think that this card was worthy of of MSG outside of the women's match and the uh, Hogan-Valentine match. And the Bob Orton 2-Santana match. Exactly. So, it it was okay, but, you know, 3 out of 11, uh, you know, that's not a good ratio. Okay, so for Saturday... um... Well, you know, yeah, yeah, because so this is our uh, results show. So I can give you another assignment for Saturday. And then on Saturday, I'll give you next week's assignment. Um, well, let's, let's see, because then uh, I'm, I'm just looking here. Um, didn't you, uh, I thought you gave me one. Hold on one I did sec- give you one uh, for uh, this Saturday. I gave you Snuka in Morocco from 1983. Yeah, okay. So, yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched that one yet, but I can definitely get that yeah. done by Saturday. No, we're saying, and then on uh, Saturday, I'll give you next Saturday's um, assignment. Okay. Because I, okay. uh, I have one match uh, picked out for you that I think you might really enjoy. Okay. Well, don't spoil it for me. No spoilers, No, 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 no spoilers. I'm just, uh, that's all I'm going to say. But um, before we uh, close out the show, I want to ask you, how much do you know about the Elimination Chamber? I mean, I'm I'm okay with it. I'm not as familiar with that as I was, you know, as I am like what a Rumble or Survivor Series. Well, I want to know how well you know your elimination chamber. So I have I have eight questions here in front of me. Uh, oh shit! Okay, top quiz, ladies and gentlemen. Question number one: Who won the first elimination chamber match? Triple H, Randy Orton, Shawn Michaels, or Kofi Kingston? Shawn Michaels, that, that was that was his, um, you know, his big uh, triumphant title win after coming back in two thousand two. Correct. Elimination Chamber. Okay, how many Elimination Chamber matches have taken place? Twenty one, twenty three, twenty six, or twenty eight? I want to say twenty three. The answer is twenty six. Yeah. Okay, not too hard. Okay, who owns the most Elimination Chamber match wins? John Cena, Daniel Bryan, Edge, or Triple H? Triple H. Correct. 
the only chamber match outside of the U.S. state was in London, Toronto, San Juan, Puerto Rico, or Montreal? Um, uh, <laughs> read me the choices again. London, Toronto, San Juan, Puerto Rico, or Montreal? Toronto? Nope. San Juan, Puerto Rico. I didn't even know that. Which, wait, wait a minute. Which one was in Puerto Rico? I don't know. <laughs> what the fuck? We <laughs> want explanations. Which elevator took place in San Puerto Rico? Because I'd, I'd like to know. Oh, okay, hold on. Well, on the fly research part 67 this evening. <laughs> oh, oh, hold on. Let's see. This is where you cue the Jeopardy song while I'm doing this. <laughs> I appreciate the effort. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah, I like to know what? What? What the hell? Um, this you know, we have some news. What happened? What? Let me let me see. Um, oh, uh, that's the wrong thing. What was I clicking? Oh, um, <laughs> oh boy. <laughs> oh, are you keeping uh, the numbers, the scores? Um, I I can because I I remember. Uh, okay. I remember what it was. Okay. But I, I'm not I'm not seeing anything pop up. Hold on, I'm gonna do something here because I I. I I like to challenge that question because that does not make sense. In Puerto Rico, in Puerto Rico. Oh. It, oh, oh, it took place on January 9th, 2005 at the Coliseo de Puerto Rico in San Juan. The event was the first and so far only pay-per-view event produced by WWE. Oh, oh, in Puerto Rico. Okay. I did not know that. No, I didn't know that either. Then again, uh, back then I was uh, I was uh, busy like going to the library and uh, doing stuff, other stuff. So I wasn't really following as closely. Uh, All right. So <laughs> were you were you were you, tr- were you trying to flirt with the librarians, Elio? Is that what you were trying oh, to do? Oh, how did you guess? <laughs> 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 okay. Okay. Here we go. Who won the first women's women's elimination chamber match? Sasha Banks, Alexa Bliss, Natalia, or Bailey? Oh God. Oh God. I'm 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 gonna say um. I'm gonna say Oscar. No, let me read your choices again. Sasha oh, Banks. I must have misheard. I'm sorry. Okay. Sasha Banks, 
Alexa Bliss, Natalia, or Bailey? Oh, when you said Alexa Bliss, I thought you said Asuka. Um, hmm. Uh, yeah, it wouldn't have been Bailey. Uh, let's go with Sasha Banks. Uh, Alexa Bliss. What? Alexa Bliss. I remember that. I remember this one too. She won the. She won. Remember, she gave that speech after where she fake cried. Oh, oh, that. Okay, okay. Yeah, I tried to burn it from my memory, but thanks. <laughs> That's not me. It's the WWE. Blame them. I'm just reading the question. Well, well, can you see my reaction to WWE on that one? <laughs> Look up. Okay. I see this. <laughs> okay, who is the only one to make every elimination in one match? Shayna Baszler. It was Shayna Baszler. I'm, I already know that. All right, fine. Cut me off before I finish <laughs> the question. All right. Next question. Who scored the first fall in an elimination chamber match? Was it Rob Van Dam, Booker T, Kane, or Jeff Hardy? I want to say Booker T. Correct. Yeah. All right. Then and I, I think I think I think Booker T might have might have pinned Rob Van Dam on that one. Right. And your last question, I got this wrong actually. Okay. How many title changes have taken place at in chamber matches? Eight, ten, eleven, or thirteen? I honestly have no idea. That would be a sheer guess. Okay, go on. Take a guess. Um, 11? Uh, that's what I said. The answer is 10. Okay. So you yep. got four and four. Well, I, I, well I, I told you ahead of the show, I was probably going to bomb that one. Yeah, no, well, even the, even the completely, you got four and four, so you got 50, you got 50, yeah. 50, 50 on that. Yeah, not too bad. All right, so Ben, we're going to bring the show to a close. Absolutely, and uh, before we do, ladies and gentlemen, remember, uh, we have a second show for you this week because um, Saturday will be our... Uh, Elimination Chamber 2021 uh, prediction show. This would be, be a stupid behavior. I can already tell. Oh, yeah. It's going to trust me. Trust me. This is going to be a review that you do not want to miss. I promise you. So uh, we got that for you. And, um, and so much more, including the following uh, Tuesday with the reaction show. So if you didn't get enough Elimination Chamber or Raw Rants on this episode, there's going to be plenty coming up in the next two editions of the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. For Elio Canilla, I've been Ben Pierce. I will always be Ben Pierce. And this will always be the PNC Progression Wrestling Podcast. We'll see you next time. Ladies and gents, this is the moment you've waited for You've been searching in the dark, sweat soaking through the floor 
Buried in your bones, there's an ache that you can't ignore Taking your breath, stealing your mind And all that was real is left behind Don't fight it, it's coming for you, running at you It's only this moment, don't care what comes after Your fever dream, can't you see, getting closer Just surrender, cause you feel the feeling taking over